What's good, everybody? It's the Pilot Boys here. It's Pilot Boy Shree, and I'm accompanied by my co-host, Partha and V. And today we got a very special episode and a very special guest, uh, JP, Jay Powell, the man of the hour. You know, um, I'll let you introduce yourself, brother, but I'm very excited about our conversation today. Uh, thank you, man. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for having me, y'all. Like, Tree, you and I linking up, becoming homies has been like an, an incredible thing. And, and the way that this is kind of folded into just uh, what I see is more of a brotherhood now is beautiful. So I really appreciate y'all having me. Thank seriously, you for being seriously. here, brother. Um, sure, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, appreciate you. Uh, a little bit about me. Uh, I'm, I'm Jay, JP, James Powell, however you, you know, however you do know me. Uh, I'm, I'm known on all platforms as the Geek Insider. Uh, I'm a professional cosplayer and uh, a pop culture enthusiast. Um, I've been doing that for about five, six years, uh, eight years in total, but five years on social media. Um, and I've been using that to, to further, uh, my own goals and ambitions in film and TV, uh, and trying to create, uh, w what I feel is like an actually inclusive space for folks, not something that's based on checking off a box or making a little bit of money off of a demographic or pandering, but really making spaces for folks. So, um, you know, somebody opened the door for me and I'm gonna continue to do that. That's my whole energy. And I feel like that's what brought me to y'all too. So for people who are unfamiliar like myself, mm -hmm. uh, tell me about what Coldplay is. Uh, yeah, yeah, so uh, c c professional cosplay is a uh, uh, costume play, right? Like, so, you know, essentially I get to play uh, dress up as an adult um, because at the end of the day, when they do a lot of big press events or even folks who have that, that interest in uh, making a transition um, into superhero films or things like that, um, it really nowadays is more about the look and they'll teach you the rest, right? Like they'll, 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 send, they'll send you to martial arts classes. They'll do, they'll teach you how to do stunt training, but it's really about if you fit the look. So uh, for, for me, uh, who's doing this from a professional aspect where, whereas there are others who do it for solely for fun, just to play, you know, do dress up and have fun and meet folks at conventions and do that thing. Um, which I'm not knocking that at all either. Um, my, my personal choice was to use it as a way to get the attention of the industry. Um, and so it's been going really well. Uh, I've dressed up, uh, simply planning to go somewhere, um, and have landed work with some of the bigger companies. I've worked with Lucasfilm already, uh, doing my Kylo Ren, um, at, uh, D23 and at Star Wars Celebration. I've been invited back to Star Wars Celebration in London this year. Um, I just recently worked, uh, uh, with the marketing department at Marvel, uh, uh, during the, uh, Wakanda Forever purple carpet which like, you know, that, that's just a, a moment of a lifetime uh, to be dressed as T'Challa while, you know, we're mourning Chad and having this moment with everybody in the cast. It was crazy, you know? Um, but those are things I set out to do individually uh, just out of fun initially. And so when you get into cosplay, you just, you know, commit to, you know, making the look be as authentic as possible to what you're trying to create. Uh, much like anything else, it's, it's, um, it's the artist's uh, rendition, right? So a big part of cosplay is gatekeeping. Um, you know, you can't be this character because you're black and that character is white. You can't, you know, you can't wear that wig. It doesn't look good on you or you can't do this with natural hair or blah, blah, blah. Right. So that's kind of why I, I kind of stuck my foot in it, uh, uh, so firmly because I have a, a background in uh, social justice. I've been a public speaker, uh, on behalf of the movement for quite some time. And so I try to take a little bit of that energy into every space I enter. So like, you're not going to tell me what the hell I can and can't do. While I'm out here having fun, and especially if I'm trying to make a bag off it, you're definitely not going to tell me what I, what I can and can't do. Um, and that's just, you know, that's it. But yeah, costume play is just that, you know, it's just, you dress up, you have fun, um, you go out. But if you're trying to do something big with it, you know, you invest some time. I got homies that make full Iron Man suits. Um, my T'Challa suit is not my real body. It's a muscle suit. And it looks real as hell. You know, like this is really about like what you what you bring to it in terms of the authenticity level. How expensive is it to like come up with these ideas and create the costumes? It seems like it's not just a time investment, but it's also a financial investment. 
you have to really be dedicated to for it. sure it can be especially uh in the early in the early stages um when you're playing the game and i you know i lucked out having um a following on social media already when i trans transitioned into more serious cosplay um but having uh folks around you that support what you do is huge um having uh, other foam smiths people who are in 3d printing um folks who who know what they're doing to lower your overhead it's a very key thing because it can be a huge time and money investment um like incredibly expensive uh the the t'challa suit uh was uh, a little over two grand um and that was that's probably the most that's probably the craziest thing uh i sprang for so far except i have the the face of the Night King from Game of Thrones, all the way down to the chest plate, and that was like six fifty. It's fully silicone rubber wow. bust. Um, yeah, so like those, so it gets it gets a little crazy. Um, but when you're doing it on social media, you're you're all about the brand partnerships, right? So I've lucked out. You know, I have a collection of lightsabers that I did not pay for. I have several uh, different costumes that I've never had to worry about. I have more more sabers on the way because. At that point, you're looking like any other business, you're looking to lower your overhead. And if you have any kind of marketing or any kind of uh, branding to bring to the table, that'll, you know, that'll help out. So uh, if you're smart about it, or if you have a little bit of business sense, you can always bring it down a bit. But also like cosplay can be very minimalist too. You know, um, that's the thing about getting started versus, um, you know, trying to go full into it. A lot of folks see what we do and they're like, yeah, I want an Iron Man suit. Not realizing that that's a year of work. Um, if you're not, if you're not buying it, it's a year of work. And if you are buying it, it's six months of someone else's work and a lot of your money. So it's like, you know, my first couple cosplays, I wore t-shirts and t-shirts and a vest, you know, helmet that fit, you know, a couple of foam printed things. You do what works at first. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And that, I guess my last question before, before I pass it on is we talked about, um, the industry mm-hmm. itself. We talked about the cost of not only time, but money. How lucrative can this thing be? Oh, uh, very. Um, it, but it also depends on what you're, what you're trying to get into, right? Like, you, I don't think anybody gets yeah. into cosplay with the intention, um, if, you're, if you're trying to take it to a professional level, of just trying to make money as a cosplayer, because that has such a, such a small ceiling um, or such a short ceiling. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking to break into acting, if you're looking to take your social page and make yourself more of a brand, uh, for instance, um, I'm now partnered with Sales One. Shout out to the homies at Sales One. Um, I'm rocking my Kamoyo beads right now. Sales One makes uh, uh, Marvel replicas and realistic. I can pull you out three Tony Stark Iron Man hearts right now, uh, uh, Black Panther necklaces, like 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 all kinds, and that's what they do. Um, and so the, through the the love of brands like that and that fandom, um, you know those partnerships will come because those partnerships came with very little following because they're looking mm. for the next person mm. up. So if, if you're looking to be in cosplay for the sake of uh, building a bigger brand or, or doing, say, pop culture influence work, because that's very technically what I do as a, as a, as a broad term, um, then there's always a bag because there's so many companies looking for folks that are just passionate and dedicated. Um, no one's looking for people to pander to them anymore. I, I, in my particular section of the industry, we're the worst fans, man. We'll eat you alive if something is not legit, you know? Uh, you <laughs> yeah. know so. Um, that with that in mind you have to bring it like you have no choice you know um so if you are looking to make a move up you're trying to really make a bag doing it and you plan to stay consistent you plan to post every day even on the days you don't want to the bag will come to you those folks will come to you um i have one two three four five uh seven rolling uh seven rolling partnerships right now um and those partnerships have brought me work more host work. And so that's where now I'm, uh, I'm getting my bag both, uh, uh, on social media as this, this person is very much myself. That's now transitioned me into, um, work that is, you know, a thousand dollars for a single day versus, um, picking up investments over, you know, uh, or picking up endorsements over the course of a couple months and, and making that kind of money, you know? Mm-hmm. It's pretty when, amazing. When you like, when you got into this space was uh was it different because i feel like cosplay you know esports as well like there's this whole kind of sector of uh of you know culture that i feel like was not as popular for us growing up that's now really really heavily mm-hmm. been commercialized um 
how like mm-hmm. how has that been watching the industry evolve and and from the perspective of like the early winners in that industry like i think a lot about like early youtubers too i feel like there's been a really interesting progression of of those folks and i feel like the same things happening mm-hmm. you know obviously with ninja and esports and um you know have you sure. seen that kind of like um crossover point happen for for cosplayers where they start to move into other areas of culture Oh, for sure. For sure. And especially because of uh, the effects of social media and how much it shapes things around us. Um, a lot of the folks who have gotten in on one end, um, you know, it, the the idea of diversifying is almost automatic, right? Like there's so many cosplayers I know that have a Twitch stream um, where they're there three nights a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, they host a show or they're a comedian. Um, those folks more than more often than not are already like of that same community right like the the great thing about cosplayers is we're really like a specific kind of nerd um (laughs) it's like you don't like they're they're like it's like if if you gotta if you love something enough to dress up like it like you have a certain level of commitment that most folks don't have to the things that they like you know right totally um and and yeah yeah and so um, those folks being of the community, they're, they're, they're going to be the folks that you see that are the most diversified. They have a discord server. Um, they're hosting stuff on their Twitch. They're doing lives. They have a TikTok as well. Now, don't get me wrong. All that shit is tiring. <laughs> like that is, that is, it's, it's yeah. exhausting. You know, um, it's, it, you're, you're your own media manager. Um, and that's, that's a wild concept to even think about, you know? Um, so there's a lot of, of growth and especially because over time, you know, when we, like you said, when we were kids, this was not a thing. Um, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things to be uh, uh, front row and center for because, you know, I remember a time where I used to have to fist fight for my Spider-Man lunchbox because <laughs> I had a Spider-Man lunchbox, you know, and uh, you know, I used to get chased home from the comic book store, you know, um, that stuff just wasn't cool. Yeah. You know, people try to drag me outside so I could play, so I could, you know, go outside and play football. And I love football, but I wanted to play golden I double seven. Yeah. I mean like that's, you know, like, do you feel me? Yeah. Uh, so like, it's like to watch this entire thing grow into, to watch esports grow into a billion dollar industry. I remember the first time I streamed on Twitch and someone called me su- like, like not only did someone call me such a nerd, but I remember uh, there was a girl who stopped talking to me <laughs> because you were doing that. <laughs> because she realized, she realized like how much of a nerd I was. Like she was like, "You watch other people play video games," <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that. Did, and this is early Twitch, you know. So um, what, 2010? Um, uh, it was still big in that right, but not to the global appeal that it has now, you know. Um, so to watch it all grow, to watch esports turn into something where you can make nine million dollars on a weekend, (laughs) 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 there's some kid somewhere every year that makes nine million dollars on a weekend, you know, like that's a wild, that's a wild to me, um, to watch people be able to become so comfortable from the MTV generation that we do this from our homes now, you know, um, all of that growth is crazy. Well, well, the, the, you know, every story kind of has a beginning. You you touched on it a little bit, mm-hmm. right? I think what you're doing is really showcasing pride in who you are and being authentically who you are as an individual um, and as a person. Um, and people who don't really understand, and I don't even like to call it nerd mm-hmm. culture, but who don't fully understand like the comic book um, culture or the superhero culture is it's not just people wearing capes and running around there is a there are deep meanings um within a lot of these Mm storylines and specifically within marvel and dc the creators um um, stan lee they really were trying to spread social Mm -hmm. messages Mm -hmm. through um through this culture so on the superficial it's like what are all these weirdos doing but the truth is that comic books you know, fantasy, th- these things offer people an escape from kind of the, the harsh realities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of the things you've spoken to already, being a minority, being a nerd, not necessarily being accepted for who you are, mm-hmm. but having this outlet 
where you can actually tap into and feel a part of a community and also find people who think like you. So you're no longer an outcast mm-hmm. or an outsider. So I really would like to get an idea and an understanding of what, like what made you, you know, your name is the geek insider. Now you wear it as a badge of mm-hmm. honor. I'm sure there was a process that you went through to even get to the point where you're as confident as you are now and who you are to say, sure. you know what, what I do is cool. I don't care if you think I'm a nerd. Um, I think it all comes down to uh, perception, right? Um, I learned very early on that although I was a very nerdy person, um, there was a lot about me that people didn't expect because of how I like carried myself. You know, one of the, and I, and it was mostly in my blackness, right? So like one of the craziest or one of the things I remember all the time, I literally just told this, uh, this story on another interview that I had, uh, two days ago. Um, Actually, no, we did it. We did it in B-roll. Thank God. Uh, um, but I, um, when I was about 12, you know, I was, I was born and raised in South Philly. You know, so, you know, first 12 years, wow, crazy. Philly is Philly. We'll just leave that at what it is. Um, but my dad moved me out to the Burbs when I was 12. And I was still very much a South Philly kid. You know, it was, you know, early 2000s, I think them franchise boys were still popping. So I was wearing like a big white tee, gray sweatpants, Air Force Ones and cornrows. And, um, you know, I get up for my first day of Spanish class and I'm the only black dude in my class. And I open my mouth and I go, hey, I'm James David Powell. I'm 12 years old. I've always spoken this way. Always, always, always. I watched so many people's mouths drop open. Wow. Okay. Expectation. Cool. Rather than being upset about that, I just figured I'll always play with that mm-hmm. because it, that's 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 perception is something that we all um, kind of balance with, right? And so, like, in, and it's something that you learn your lesson with. They always tell you never judge a book by its cover, blah blah blah. Every human being has that moment in their life. So, going forward as a nerdy person, I started to realize, like, because of the things that people perceived as my blackness, they did not expect me to like intellectual things or to be nerdy or to speak the way that I did. Um, and I didn't feel like compromising either of those. Those are both equally who I am. I, I, I mean, I, I'm a little ghetto, but like, I'm also a high intellectual like that. Like you, you're not going to fade me on either one and you can't use either one to, to, to cast a full picture of who I am. Cause to love me is to love both of them. So as a cosplayer, I took that energy into it just because at first I was a, I was a news guy. So I was already like the nerdy insider kind of dude. And so when I shifted to um, cosplay content post pandemic, because uh, that's a whole nother part of the story. Um, I used to do just nerd news. I pivoted to do cosplay because it, it all just became so dark. I was uh-huh. letting in so much negativity and we're talking about dirt mid shutdown and it all, you know? So I was like, I, guys, I feel like, I feel like I now exist to bring you pain and I can't do that. Um, and so I started doing cosplay news dressed up, try to make folks laugh, that kind of thing. Um, cause we were talking about film shutdowns and this person getting sick and everybody's mad at Letitia Wright for not wanting to get the vaccine and you know, and I'm like, this is all, we all, we all got big feelings right now. So we should take a break from that and just have fun. Um, and when that started, when people started to respond while well, I decided to stay there, um, and when it became a matter of, um, you know, uh, culture versus identity. I planted my feet firm. Um, I've always been those two things. It took me a while to accept um, that people would like that, um, especially as a creator, uh, putting myself out there um, and realizing that there is a, a not only like a, a market, but a community, right? Because it's never always about a bag with me. Like I am trying to build a community. I am trying to build a tribe of friends. Um, I've taken the time to build a cosplay collective over the year, but over the past year because shit's just better with friends. Like you're, you're, you're all doing the same thing. You're all stressing out about something that didn't print right or some paint that doesn't work or how you're going to get to this event and can you carpool? You know, um, I realize that everybody needs a sense of community, especially in this space because it's a space that's heavily scrutinized. Um, it's a space that has a lot of fake people in there. Those same dudes that was out there trying to beat you up for your lunch boxes now wearing them t-shirts because <laughs> girls like them, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's you know um so finding authentic folks who move like you and think like you do is even hard within the space um so i think that realizing that that was the problem that we were facing was the moment that i decided that like this is what i'm here to do and then to take it a step further because that's what i want to do and as a content creator and in making film um it's all just one big one big thing 
you know? Yeah. And just, just digging a little bit deeper there, is there a moment or in time or an age where you were like, okay, I'm content. Mm -hmm. You know, we all kind of go through this phase of growing into who Mm -hmm. we are. Um, Was there a point where you were like, you know what? I'm happy. This is, this is, this makes me happy. This community makes me happy. I know there are always challenges in any business Mm -hmm. venture, but and tell us into how that actually made you feel, because there's no way, considering what you've said, that you didn't have a hard time growing up trying to really figure in and hone mm-hmm. in on your identity. Because even though you were a nerd, you still like to emulate the franchise mm-hmm. boys. You know what I mean? Like, when did you fully say, you know what? All these sides of me are, are fine. I'm, I'm okay as who I am. Um, I think, I think I was probably about. Well, I guess it maybe happened two different times in life, right? Like two different phases or the, the growth from like two different types of people. Um, when I was younger, um, it definitely happened in middle school because I found myself um, in a real weird position where I was just stressed. I was code switching too much. You know, um, I am I am in mm-hmm. honors and AP classes with all these kids who don't look and don't act like me, but I'm in sports and my electives with all these folks who do. And the balance of keeping up those two identities. Um, was hard because there were parts that I had to mute to be accepted by one and parts I had to mute to be accepted by the other. And trying to balance that along with just school and what I did, like it literally almost like killed me. Like I, I like I had developed anxiety and stress issues, heart problems, like, and it's cause I was trying to, I, I'm a do too much ass person. Like that's just who I am. I do that. Like, mm-hmm. um, but I was trying to do that and balance the social side of it. And it meant so much to me at the time that it stressed me out at a very young age. And so um, my, senior year of, my senior year of high school uh, was the first time I ever was like, screw it. I went through like, like a one, two, three, four, like a five, maybe six year period of just stress. Um, and I thought I was going to make a change or something. I just kept finding myself trying to move into fitting all these other people's boxes. And so like I... I quit football um, to like, I literally quit football as a player to like commentate the football games um, <laughs> to make sure I would like finish doing uh, like my telecom stuff. So I would finish school um, and I leaned back into all of my nerdy stuff. I started hanging out with my nerdy friends again. And like, I was like, this is a big part of who I am, but I don't, I don't have to change any of it, any of it, any of it. And that was just to fit in suburbia, right? Like I'm thinking that I'm doing this for me and i'm realizing as an adult later on that like this was just what i had to do to survive this place um and to find a space in this place as an adult i've made myself very much the opposite of that and that was the i think the point the, the point my biggest change is maybe a couple years back when i realized that that's what i was doing as a 12 year, 12 year old to uh, 18 year old um i will never mute myself to fit in, or, or, or squeeze myself down to fit in anybody else's space ever again um, I'll never mute myself to be, you know, I, I'd rather not get invited to a boardroom than to be in a boardroom where I can't be myself. And coincidentally, that is probably why it's taken me so long to achieve some of the stuff I have, because I've, I've turned down those moments to be, to not be in places um, where there's anti-Black sentiment, where there's, there's, uh, you know, one of the good ones type sentiment, you know, same thing in the cosplay space and the, the convention world, you know, um, that happens. You know, uh, thing about the big thing about being any shade of brown is nowhere you go in the world can you not deal with it or does it not affect you? Um, there'll always be some moment or a reminder of. And so knowing that and kind of taking that turning point, I think we were honestly, um, the biggest moment came actually this year. Um, and it was just a big shift in who I wanted to be as a creator uh, and as a leader. Um, I was just at TwitchCon a couple months back. There's a cosplayer um, who made a brilliant Black Panther cosplay from scratch. I mean, this man sat with a paint marker and painted lines and triangles on this this whole suit just to get the glare and angle of the African print. Killed it. Um, it was a fan-voted event. Um, he was hate-rated, which is where people can join the event. And downvote somebody just based off the fact that they don't like cost him the whole competition. He was the fan favorite. Um, he was later approached at the show by these dudes 
seven or eight men hid their tags wearing black and said some sly stuff to him like oh uh oh are you sad oh well you know getting the little mermaid should have been enough for you we meet five minutes later this dude is sitting in the corner kind of like crushed you can, you can tell why um we get to talking he tells me why and i don't know the energy of the ancestors are why i got so angry like i just got so mad you know so um, we, we kept each other's info. I took him, um, with me to the Wakanda forever red carpet, uh, so that he could then live stream those folks back. And at the end of that experience, um, for me, it was just about flipping them off. Cause you know, screw racism respectfully, disrespectfully. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but like after it was all done, you know, I, I, it just didn't occur to me like what it meant to him. You know, um, and he sat and he told me. And during that conversation, he was talking about how he's had to mute himself and squeeze himself into spaces and how he, he put a lot, like so much energy into this and uh, how he felt like something was really, really taken from him. Um, and he felt like something that was, he ended up getting a bigger gift in return. And I literally, like in that moment, I said, shit, I want to do that for everyone every day. And if I can do that, if being myself and advocating for people in that way is how I achieve that, then bet, forget it. I've dealt with like the concept of like what it's going to take to help people. I almost, you know, I almost took what most would consider the martyr route and I was out protesting for a long time. Um, um, I got my ass whooped in three different cities. Like I, I, I had to quit because I am a father and I started to worry about how that was going to pan out. Wow. Um, and yeah, you know, so I started to think about how do I affect people then? Cause you know, for, for two years of my life, during the shutdown and then four or five years of my life while living out here, I had always been that person that was like about that action. I was, I was there and I was making sure we were doing things the right way. Nobody's burning anything. Nobody's, you know, my speeches were about unification about white folks, not burning things in the name of black folks. So it ends up on CNN. Um, you know, like it was always, I was always sensible. Um, uh, but it was dangerous. And so I really pivoted on what it means to be able to provide for people in a way that is safe for me and so their kids my kids still have their dead and so i if it's telling stories and helping other people make their way in these industries uh by creating equity because that's the new thing that's the new word equity we don't want nothing else um if we can create that then i feel like i'm good it doesn't if i'm getting paid to be myself then that's a that's a blessing in and of itself so now it's time to help people period man i love that with no struggle, there is no progress. Yes, sir. Right? So, um, that's it, a lot, man. That's a lot. Um, and you mentioned, and something that was kind of exciting for you, for sure, was actually getting that opportunity um, to be the Black Panther or Wakanda forever. Yeah. Um, to, you know, to, talking about, like, your experience growing up, because I think a lot of people take for granted what, even the creation when Stan Stanley created mm -hmm. the Black Panther, how meaningful it right. was. Then also to then have Chadwick Boseman, not just as the Black Panther, but what he represented mm -hmm. to society and culture. Again, to lose someone like that um, who was opening doors. Um, how meaningful was this to you? Because it, it seems like a life change, considering what you said, truly a life changing opportunity mm -hmm. and also the depth of the representation of the Black Panther, because one thing that frustrates me sometimes um, with this is the commercialization of this, mm -hmm. of like, okay, well, let's just make this movie so a whole bunch of Black people go and support it. But it's way deeper than mm -hmm. that. Um, and I think also a lot of like mainstream or, or mm -hmm. majorities people don't fully understand what the representation is and take it for granted and almost diminish it and demean it, like you said, with your your friend who created that costume. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's very, it's very interesting um, to see how far this comic has come um, because it's taken quite a long time. First, I mean, it's the first mainstream black superhero uh, next to Steve Rod, uh, Steve Rogers, well, <laughs> uh, John Stewart, Green Lantern. Um, and even then, you know, it took a really long time to drag that to the forefront. Uh, um, of the mainstream. I think when Marvel did decide to make a move 
it was very much a we need to increase our black demographic move, but Stan had been trying to have a movie made for years and finding that kind of money and funding was just not something that that um came to fruition in that amount of time. What I like about their choice in Ryan Coogler is if you've ever watched the Ryan Coogler interview, um he is not your corporate director, you know. He's a his authenticity is a lot of what I strive to be. Um he you know uh he uses African American vernacular on camera. Um he does not hesitate to correct somebody if he feels like uh they're they're projecting the wrong energy on on the concept. Um and that especially in the second film um that is something that has always been like really really um like a relief because again in an effort to um, bring diversity there are some people who are just trying to check off boxes um as far as the here as far as the character and what he means to me man um i'm a like a, like a lot <laughs> <laughs> that's my childhood hero man um so to come into this uh, i lucked out uh to work on a couple different marvel projects uh, a small internships when i first got here and all of that stuff meant um a, a really big deal i remember i went through such fomo intense fomo uh for the first red carpet it was crushed it was actually probably another turning point in my career when i realized exactly the the, the things i wanted to where I wanted to be and who I wanted to be around and, and the kind of events that I wanted to take a part in, because some of them, you know, were at the forefront of uh, a, a renaissance and, 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 and shift in, or sorry, a renaissance and overall paradigm shift in culture where we have more, uh, more strong black leads, uh, more strong female leads, where we have more representation overseas, where we have more, uh, we have, even in the European representation, it's not the same old, same old, right? Like we, we have shows like Bridgerton and like, you know, things that are, that are constantly shifting and take, like changing the idea of what, what, what this new media generation is. And the great thing about it is there's, there's more diversity, whether you feel it's forced or not, it, it is present. Um, the way that we make sure that that stays consistent is, uh, you know, folks like us, um, to be there to check the culture, to be there to check for pandering, to be there, you know, so, um, that big shift has allowed for um, films like Black Panther, but even like shows like Niobe, even though it didn't uh, didn't get to make it past another, uh, I think maybe past the second season, those things just haven't happened. Um, so for someone like Chad, who's known to come along and embody black excellence with every role he played and to only choose meaningful roles for him to step in and become that hero. And for me on a personal level, Chad was my favorite actor. Like you're talking about somebody who played two of my favorite people in Jackie Robinson and James Brown, uh, as, 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 um, complicated of humans as they were. Um, uh, so to find out that he was going to be black Panther, I, I lost it, you know? Um, it's so naturally to lose him. Um, it felt like I lost a tiny piece of myself. Um, to have it come back around almost full circle, um, to be at this event. Um, I keep a G with you guys. Like I cried several times that day. Wow. Um, you know, as a professional, as a young black man, as a fan, um, and then three times during the movie. <laughs> so like, you know, cause the movie's going to make you cry. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. Mm-hmm. it yeah. Uh, so, you know, um, it meant everything. Uh, and it's very weird for, um, you know, even my even my last Marvel red carpet, which was Endgame, it wasn't an it wasn't an acknowledgement based invite. You know, um, so this is really my first. That was really my first red carpet as a professional. Wow. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's a lifetime achievement, man. For for you, from hearing your story, I think it's definitely you know when the universe conspires, it conspired for you to have this yeah. moment. Yeah, man, that's that that's that's when I broke mm-hmm. down and cried like that, that the, the realizing of that, you know, like I'm supposed yeah. to be here like this is I tell I tell Shri all the time. I don't believe in coincidence, but even still, the universe will still surprise me, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, I had a logical series of questions that I had to kind of get to. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to seed seed over to 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 Partha and mm-hmm. you guys to 
I got to what I was what I was trying to get based on what I was hearing from you. Uh, so I'll seed some seed some time for some other questions. For sure. Yo, I mean, I just I was just like you know super super blown away, kind of thinking through that, and I was just reflecting on how culture shifted too. Like it's like the twenty one to twenty two Jump Street thing, where the new generation's like much nerdier. Like, do you feel like? when you interact with Gen Z that it's like a totally different kind of level of acceptance and perspective on these types of issues. For sure. Um, actually navigating that is such a double-edged sword because it's, um, when you start to get into the Gen Z's, there's folks that are of the, um, that are of the community. And then there's folks that are there because it's a popular thing to do on social media. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's someone who doesn't necessarily like Marvel stuff, but, she dresses in skimpy Spider-Man outfits because she wants to be a model. And I'm not knocking you for that. It just means you're not of the culture, yeah. right? Like it's just culture versus mm -hmm. the trend, right? So that leads to some very weird spaces because some marketing folks don't know the difference and we'll all end up in the same room anyway. So mm -hmm. there are moments where, um, you know, I'm, I'm speaking with Gen Z folks and they're, you can point blank. They're the generation to get stuff done, man. Like, you know, our grand our grandparents and their and their grandparents like cracked the door a couple of us put the foot in some some of them held the door open for other folks they're kicking it down like the way that the world the way that we like hope the things are going to be built is going to be built through them and so like they are very more much more accepting there's a lot less gatekeepy uh, uh stuff going on in, in in their end of the culture they also are the ones to speak up um a lot of the folks that end up um when i when i get riled up about something and i speak up about something those are the folks who usually end up backing me up mm. Um, because there are generational trains of thought, right? And Gen Zs are the first generation that is truly free of the idea of if I say something, this will mess my bag up. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. They do not care. They don't even have a reflex for mm -hmm. it. They don't even have it in them. Um, and so even though our generation is a generation right above theirs who like are we're, we're like the first to be like, uh, you know, we can we can say what we want uh, about things that are important to us and still get paid. Um you know, they're the ones that are like, we'll find a bag either way, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that whole energy and that whole movement, and because people know that about them, people approach them very differently. Um, but also they're like the forefront, right? Like I have, you know, like I don't have any numbers that, that, are, that are comparable to any of the top TikTok cosplayers. But I've also learned a lot of those cosplayers don't know how to navigate the business world. So even though they have 8 million followers, they're not making any money. Mm. um yeah so it's it's all about um when it comes to my interactions with them a lot of them end up coming to me to ask about that business stuff because these kids you know posted six videos and now they woke up one day and they have all, a million opinions and a million people asking them to make new stuff and and people are now expecting them to up their quality change you know change parts of their lifestyle so like when i end up interacting with folks whether it be publicly or, or in, in private it's usually um we usually make our way to business advice pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, that seems to be the kind of fascinating thing about Gen Z is they're going to get to their bag, mm -hmm. but how much of a challenge is it for you to kind of see that kind of balance where you see a lot of people who, who really value things like follower accounts and likes, but that's not necessarily what's going to generate the money for mm -hmm. you or the business deals, what you're getting, you're probably making more money. You know, you have a significant number of TikTok followers. It's nothing to sneeze at, but you're probably doing much better than most folks. So do you feel like you're kind of balanced in your perspective where you have that Gen Z energy, but also the logical reasoning of an older generation? Absolutely. Actually, that's probably the, the best way that I could describe it, honestly. Um, I don't know what it is that I've always um, like, cause I, you know, I'll be 35 uh, this coming year. So I don't know what it is where I've always kind of had this, this kind of split energy where I've always had that logic and reason reasoning of the generation that I'm from, but I've always connected with generation beneath me in a very easy and organic way um, to where I can watch what they do and be accepted in their spaces. Um, so when I'm learning how they're getting money quickly, but I'm also learning how people on this side have messed up their money quickly, you know, I can kind of, as a person sitting in that middle space, 
as an observer and I'm a, I'm a student of the game kind of dude, you know, like I, um, there's a lot of spaces that I've entered into that I, I did not go to school for, didn't have the knowledge, but I'm willing to sit back and just take the time and watch. Um, doing that has, has opened doors uh, in a big way, especially this year, because your, your mind can play tricks on you, right? Like you see, you know, this, especially social media, it's, it's all a numbers game and numbers don't always tell the full story. You can be very upset and think you're not doing very well because you have 10,000 and this person has 8 million and you're posting the same thing and blah, 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 blah. But the better hustler will always win. Um, the person who will, will, who doesn't feel any type of way about emailing somebody because they don't feel any type of way about being a bother. Um, the, the, the person that's going to uh, bug somebody to um, get their deadlines finished and not say, oh, no, it's fine every single time something gets pushed back. Um, the thing, some of those things only come with age or advice. And that's why I've kind of taken that advice route to where, like, um, you know, I, somebody that has 8 million followers can come to me and, and be very chill. And I don't, I, because I'm making money doing what I'm doing, but I don't have an ego and they don't have an ego about it because at the end of the day, that's what it's supposed mm -hmm. to be about. Um, I've lucked out and gotten uh, gotten some pretty big opportunities from some of those folks as well. In the role in, in the world of social currency, it really is a favor for favor kind of thing, but it's done in such a genuine way, right? Like we have a yeah, all business has an air about it where like yeah, it's good money, but it's very tit for tat, right? Unless you're like getting money with your homies, because then obviously there's it's all love for everybody involved and to see everybody win. But like business business deals where it's just strictly business, like. It's a very tit for tat kind of energy about it. Um, in these spaces, you know, if you you help you help somebody out, they help you out also. Um, don't get me wrong; there's some exceptions to that rule too, because with those large numbers, do cause egos. People that don't have any interest in getting involved with the community, or you know, um, uh, giving back to fans, or creating good moments for people, or, you know, any of that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, just the opportunity to do something for people um has always been enough but realizing that like i'm in a very rare position to see um to see things on both sides i'm like oh i could actually like really really like help people and i don't know how much you're into like you know astrology spirituality but like i'm a gemini i am balanced you know like i live in the middle of a lot of things you know and i recognize those parallels in my life you know i the first 24 years of my life shaped who I was. I spent 12 years in the hood, 12 years in the burbs, you know, like I recognize a lot of even moments and even patterns in my life because I operate best when I can find balance. Otherwise I'm a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know, I know many Gemini's and that's, that's really the key for the, that they all say is finding that balance mm -hmm. so that you're not polar because the, the risk with Gemini's is, the polariz polarization that can be a very unhealthy mentally for mm -hmm. you guys. <laughs> yep. Um, and so that's like, that's always been the, the big push, right? Like to help people is cool, but like to see a way to help people make money, keep the door open for the next generation, keep the door open for my kids, a little bit of generational wealth. Like why not? You know, like that's, that's, that's what it's always supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, dude, do you, uh, are you into anime? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just came from what's actually, your, um, I just came from anime Pasadena. Oh yeah. What's your, uh, what's your like top, yeah. uh, top few animes? Oh, people are going to hate me for this. Well, I, I'm going to do it. Ba okay. So it's always been in the order that I was introduced. Um, okay. but I will say that in my adult life, I feel very strongly for one piece, um, okay. one piece army. The one piece is real. <laughs> um, however, um, I grew up with dragon ball Z and dragon ball and Pokemon actually got me to appreciate more like artsy anime. So that's what led me to like studio Ghibli and like, like princess Mononoke and like that kind of thing. More modernly, mm -hmm. like, of course, like, you can't, like, like the Shonen Big Three is what it is, you know? So, I mean, it's Bleach, Naruto, Boruto yeah. is dope. I heard you say you, you're starting to get into, you know, but, like... I, I finished Naruto. Naruto I like just watched it for the first time, bro. Like, literally, 
like uh yeah. I think three months ago or something, Shri was like, Bro, you have to you wait, have wait, to watch wait. it. Like all episodes. <laughs> uh no, not all episodes. Just <laughs> right now. Just Dear God, yes. Yes, okay, good. No, you did it the right way. No filler. No filler. <laughs> no, I, my thing was so like <laughs> my thing was like if I miss the characters later, I'll go back and watch the filler. But it's such a long plot and there's so many flashbacks, bro. Like I, I do end up forwarding mm-hmm. through a lot God. of the flashbacks. Yeah, flashback of a flashback <laughs> of a flashback. Yeah, exactly. If you, you know, I think a, a good question to ask here is what is it about anime that gives it such a cult cult following? Why do what what is kind of the common commonality or common thread? that brings anime watchers together because it's very impressive to me. Almost anybody that I know that watches anime, it's not a casual, it's a f- casual sport. It's a full contact sport. <laughs> you guys are deeply, deeply invested into this thing. <laughs> um, I think the, I think the crazy thing is that like, we've all been exposed to it and you just don't know it. Uh, I think it like a, a good thing to, um, to look at is, how we've all been exposed to, to Japanese pop culture since the 80s, right? Um, Power Rangers and Kamen Riders and um, uh, um, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, um, oh my God, VR Troopers, um, all of those like... You're old enough to know... You're old enough to know Voltron. Yeah, Voltron, yeah, that's right. That's okay, thank you. <laughs> Voltron, um... And so, like all yeah. like Gundam, a lot of the the, the early uh, animations that, that that drew us in, we didn't really realize what we were uh, ingesting at the moment or what we were taking in at the moment. And so, when you your body recognizes something familiar in an art style, that's something real. Like there's an actual dopamine drip that happens there, you know. Like like when you that that like nostalgia feeling even or something that like maybe from a couple years back. So say like for me with Pokemon, it was like I forget what the motifs were that like kind of took me to something that I used to watch a couple years back as a kid. And I started watching that. And, um, and it's not even widely regarded as like an anime. Um, but it's that art style that like brought me further into, uh, anime. So when I started to encounter shows like Cowboy Bebop and Death Note, um, it, it, it felt familiar, but it's also the, 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 the stories and the ideas, right? Like, the one thing about anime, no matter which one you watch, even the dark ones, central theme is hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's something we can all get behind. Wait, did I? Ooh. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say I would it's say the, same for you the guys? biggest thing with anime. Pardon me, technical difficulties. No worries. You're no good. worries. Um, yeah, good. I would say for me, the biggest thing with anime is always just seeing seeing really the characters have a mission that they care about so much and having them develop those friendships, those relationships with folks that are on their team to see like the level of camaraderie. Like you feel like you're, you're really a part of their squad. And I think for people that, you know, may or may not have grown up with that. Literally, when you watch the anime, you feel as though, you know, for example, in One Piece, you feel as though you're part of the, the pirate crew, you know, and, and you're going on an adventure with them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's really like, you know, what, what Jay is saying with, you know, the early immersion. You know, I remember watching like four kids TV and that was like my first exposure Mm-hmm. You know, to One Piece and to a lot of different shows, you know, I, and that, that was something that always drew me in because of the level of creativity that they can apply to the world, such a vast world, just like, I mean, I grew up, you know, watching, I grew up listening to and, and reading even the, the, uh, the Harry Potter books, that entire series, I was, I was deeply into that. So I feel like for the kids that, you know, are into the fantasy type of, um, you know, world, Anime is perfect for them because it's 20 minutes, super short. Obviously, some are longer, some are shorter, but it's, it's essentially like a sitcom. You can go at your pace. Mm-hmm. And some of these, uh, some of these animators are, are essentially infinite. You know what I'm saying? They just go on for hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, especially, especially oh, One Piece, right? I, it's yeah. still going, right? One Piece is like hundreds yeah. and hundreds of episodes. And you just got to know, like we're talking about, like what episodes mm-hmm. to skip and what episodes to watch. But One Piece is incredible. 
You know, I, I, I really love these adventure shows. It's just a never ending adventure, which is like, you know, if that appeals to you, then, mm. you know, it makes total sense that you'd be into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, bro, I, What's I, your, think, um, yeah. I think anime is like, it's, a, it's such an infinite category. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can get sure. anything. Like, one of the ones I really love is this one called Kuroku Basketball. It's like a bat. It's an anime. It's just about like a yep. high school basketball. Yeah. Team. But it goes, or actually a middle school basketball team. Have you seen that one, Jay? Mm hmm. So I like, I love the animation style. Like, well, I don't know. That's the, that's, so that's the thing about anime that, that gets me the most. Like, when I started watching anime sports shows. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Wild. Uh, they're take, like, I mean, <laughs> how you make a dunk look like that? <laughs> <laughs> These are kids, <laughs> dude, and it—it's just all same thing. It's centered around this thematic of like hope and love and family and unity, mm -hmm. like playing like playing sports the right way, like not not playing dirty, like understanding what a team is about. Like these are these are morals that you know Western content does not give you. You know Western content's like telling you to shoot people <laughs> and rob people and like take from people. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the japanese like are sitting here just like telling you like you know you should love people and well i, I mean at the same time like you know they have some pretty crazy villains <laughs> who like love to kill but they do get they get mm -hmm. stopped you know the metaphor is always it's always a really really positive kind of like thing that they're building mm -hmm. toward i i haven't seen any anime that made me that ended that i was just like man i feel worse after that usually i feel inspired <laughs> Uh, I've had a couple it's, of those it, actually. Really, <laughs> it's a, it seems like it's a, it's a true reflection of the culture, um, the cultural norms of even like you know one of the places I haven't gotten a chance to visit yet, but I want to go to Japan for some of these reasons just mm -hmm. to really get a get a bird's eye view of how their culture um, operates. But do you would you guys say um, that there's a commonality or a common thread? between the themes that draw people to sci-fi to comic books and anime anime do you think there's a commonality because oh, yeah. um and, and what is that um, common thread uh, themes of diversity acceptance love um especially when you look at um when you look at sci-fi and anime um they're they're two very much at the forefront of that because um it's it's one okay so I, if I can uh, take a, a brief sidebar, I, I recently did uh, a an interview with Chris Judge. Um, he is the voice of Kratos uh, in God of War and uh, in the current set of games. And he's most known as Teal'c from Stargate SG-1. Um, so he's been a black actor in sci-fi and one of the biggest sci-fi shows at that time for 10 years, while now being like one of the bigger voices in the fantasy space. And um, what we ended up talking about uh, during that is just uh, the interesting place that sci-fi and fantasy is in, um, especially with a lot of the energy and backlash that we got this year over like Rings of Power, having um, uh, having black and brown elves and uh, uh, and uh, uh, having a, oh my God, <laughs> the Tolkien community is going to come for me. Um, <laughs> what is it? The, not Hobbits, what are they, the Halfdens? Um I don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, and then um, what was the other one? It was Rings of Power. Oh, and and Game of Thrones uh, because of the sea snake being a black guy. So it's like we live in this world where people can fathom dragons and alternate aliens, but they can't fathom black and brown people. Um, <laughs> right. It's, it's so a crazy. crazy right? It's like when you really if you look at it, like you, you think that a dragon is more plausible than a black man commanding an army on the sea. Like that's. Cool. Great. It's 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 a real sad reflection mm -hmm. of how deeply rooted mm -hmm. racism. Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Um, and so, with that in mind, um, you know, you look at uh, uh, shows like Star Trek, where they have literally always challenged the norm. You know, they yep. always, always, always have. You you have these themes of um, of love, of acceptance of a, a completely non-xenophobic, non-racist future. Um, 
uh, in fact, anti-racist and anti-xenophobic uh, at that point, because, you know, when you're dealing with other races in Star Trek, they're usually the racists. <laughs> so, um, you know, those communities uh, have always been about that. They've always been a reflection of, of uh, love, hope, uh, acceptance, endurance uh, through teamwork, um, positivity. You know, how many times have we seen an anime or even, you know, the Lord of the, Lord of the Rings, even, you know, insurmountable odds, mm -hmm. but through teamwork and a little bit of love and looking out for your homie, you get a very long way, you know? You know, you know what else I have? I have to just yeah, like toss this in. Like the second you involve another being, whether it's like an alien or an elf or a magical creature that has sentience and serves as a character, all humans are now clumped into one box, right? So like it eliminates the ability to, to distinguish between humans in the nature of that plot. Mm -hmm. And I just think like that's unifying in general as a concept, which I think is really cool. Yeah, it's 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 intriguing, and you know, I want to dig into this kind of this characterization of people who are into these things, like anime, sci-fi, comic books. I feel like mass media and popular culture villainizes these people and says they're the weirdos, right? But the reality is, the reason that they're very introverted is that they're actually really good people who've been who've been damaged by the reality of what the real world looks mm -hmm. like. So it's almost like they're not the weirdos, you're the weirdos, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And and that's the thing that I think gets lost in this is, you know, an outside I, I I consider myself a nerd and I watch some of these things, but I'm not deeply into any of these cultures, but I can observe and look and understand. I know a lot of people who are mm -hmm. and there is a commonality that I see between those folks, which is kind of this gives them a bubble or a community where they feel safe For sure. um, mm -hmm. from the realities of racism, from the realities of all of these things that mass media um, kind of makes, makes you very unhappy dealing mm -hmm. with. Uh, escapism is often used as a dirty word, and um, it's really not. Um, I mean, it is when you decide to like not deal with your problems at all, ever, ever, ever. Yeah, like sure, of course, it's like it's like anything. But um, when you have, um, it's like the film Ready Player One, right? They live in a world where society is rough on the outside, and so folks have taken to the oasis, this digital space where they can be who they want, whoever they want, spend fake currency, live the life that they want to live, you know. Um, I mean, I, that's not something that's like crazy uh, to, to think that we're heading towards uh, because a lot of the times, um, you know, and, and when we have these moments where we have, you know, folks profiteering off of oil and medicine and, and you know, uh, uh, folks are sick, no one cares, uh, food shortages, no one cares. Um, you know, we're as a society, uh, we're moving to a space where escapism will be sold as if it's resort life. Um, the only way to combat that is, um, is to, to, to challenge that kind of stuff, um, very head on. Um, the thing about the misconception about geek culture, geekdom, um, is there, there's levels to it, right? Like what you described yourself as is a fan, right? Like there's fandom, there's geekdom, and then, uh, there is, um, I guess, well, I guess there's, yeah, there's fandom, geekdom, nerddom, you know, like that, that kind of thing. But it's always been looked at as like just however much time you put in is the time that you put in. Um, we tend to grow um, into these spaces with time. So, you know, as you learn more about yourself, you identify more, you invest more time and you might, you might shift towards that. But for some folks who are, you know, working adults that have you know, 40 hour weeks and blah, blah, blah. You still love what you love from a fan's perspective, but you, you know, some folks don't have the time to invest in that. Um, the general misconception is that, you know, we are all just some folks sitting in our basements and there's even levels to that too, right? Because some of the dregs of society are those folks who like sit on a message board and say hateful stuff and don't leave their basement. Um, but we usually get grouped in as all of them when really that's like 5% of the overall community and we don't hang out with them no way. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that's a very good point man i think there does need to be a redefinition of 
what it looks like to be a nerd. Um, you know, we're getting right around to the the hour mark here, JP. This has been, you know, really fun sure. interview to dive into a lot of the a lot of this, you know, side of culture that I really feel like doesn't get a lot of exposure. And I think that this just this this hour we've spent is gonna help a lot of people better understand even just how to access this side of culture with, you know, uh you know, nerd culture, if you will. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think right. this has been really rad. You know, I, I'm sure we'll have you back on again to uh to For chat sure, more man. about Thank other you. stuff, man. But you know, we appreciate you taking the time, brother. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much again. Uh any anytime. I mean, uh, you know, we we as a group, um, I feel like we're definitely headed to some some dope and great things. So however you want me to be involved, I'll be happy to be here. Any other perspectives you'd like me to, me to provide, I'm here. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Uh, thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Y'all have a great day. boys, we get on up. We gon' fly, boys, we get up. So Boys, we get on up